When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, this is the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast, an iHeartRadio and Dan Patrick podcast network production. I'm Alan Nevin. And I'm Joey Santos. And this week we're talking to Eugenio Straffi. Eugenio is the head of Rainbow Studios and creator and executive producer of the very popular Winx Club animated series, which was adapted as a live action Netflix series earlier this year. I think that was called Fate, the Winx Saga. Yeah, it became a number one global hit for Netflix in the U.S. and in many countries worldwide, 190 countries in 32 languages to be exact. It has already been announced they will continue for a second season. Can't wait for you guys to hear this interview. He's so interesting. He's Italian and has a lot to say about our theme this week from seed to spark. So let's grab a drink and let's dive right in. So uh, what cocktail have you done for Eugenio? I kept it simple. You know, every time we go to Italy anyway, I love, and, and I'm not much of an afternoon drinker, but I can drink all night. But during the day, I'm just not. But when I'm in Europe, you know how people rosé all day? Well, I prefer an Aperol spritz. And strangely enough, that is his favorite drink. So I just renamed it because you can't, why change what's already working? You know what I mean? There's nothing you can really do to an Aperol spritz and make it any better than it is already. But I just renamed it to the Destino Spritz, which is destiny in English. Have you got any Italian guilty pleasures this week? I went to, which I never do. You know me. I hate old things or vintage things. I'm not big on that stuff. But for some reason, I was out with my good friend Philip, who also joins the show on occasion. I think you remember him. And we were walking past a swap meet. Like a flea market? Yeah, whatever you call that thing. Yeah, well, the same thing. Yeah, and I never go to those things, you know. I was curious. So we walked in. And it was very small, uh, and it was in Hollywood, and we just kind of walked through, and we were just, oh, let's just take a peek and see what they have and, and what it's all about. So we're going through, and it was a lot of people. There were children and families and whatever, you know. Then there was this whole garden area, which I found curious because, you know, I love all those plants and stuff it, to do things at home, replant things and trees and all that To replace cool all stuff. your dead plants. <laughs> You're from this heat. The ones that you didn't water last week. God, yeah. My gardener <laughs> didn't water last week. I have that flake. <laughs> Anyway, it was just us in this little area. There was maybe four people there. And then there was a wall. And so, curiously, I'm hearing this, oh, 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 yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. And, I, and we both stopped and looked at each other like, is that what I think it is? Is there somebody behind this little wall thing doing nasty things? I mean, I was so freaked. Literally, I was red freaked but my curiosity was piqued and so i just said this can't be <laughs> or sphinct anyway I, I i could not believe what i was hearing and it was like yeah yeah you like that don't you yeah you really like that yeah come on come on put your ass up yeah put your ass up baby yeah yeah and philip and i were like this cannot be and i'm saying and i'm saying to myself this is ridiculous i go to philip there are children here is this pig is there a pig behind what kind of a pig would be in a family place on a sunday on a beautiful day, 
Anyway, I just couldn't take it anymore. I was going to go off, and the guy said, you know, you're a slob and a pig, and you're a disgusting pervert. And I look over the thing, and he was petting his dog. <laughs> you are a slob and a pig and pervert. I was so embarrassed. He <laughs> was like, yeah, baby, yeah, put it on. Oh, you like that, don't you? And the dog's just laying on the back like, ooh, 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 ooh. I said, oh, thank God. Thank the Lord. So it really was a flea market. It was a flea market. <laughs> flea and tick market. Anyway, it almost ticked me off. Oh, anyway, so your imagination can go many places, just letting you know. So that was my guilty play. I don't know how pleasurable it was. Well, maybe was, for the dog. But you were fun. guilty. I was guilty <laughs> of thoughts, certain thoughts. Well, that's all that counts is that your guilt came around. Yeah, it sure did. And so what was your guilty pleasure? Well, my guilty pleasure you were included in because I decided to do a little surprise for Will's, well, I shouldn't say, but it's one of those decade birthdays. Oh, yes. And so I surprised him with a quick trip to Vegas. And uh, we didn't really have time to go anywhere else because he needed to get back. You needed to get back. I needed to get back. Yeah. So we went for two quick nights, flew out there, flew back. Uh, but we had a blast. The we weather blast. was warm. It was hot. We sat by the pool, had a nice time, did a lot of drinking. And we had that incredible dinner next to the fountains at the, at Bellagio, the Bellagio Hotel, yeah. sat yeah. outside And this the was Andrew's first trip. He's never been to Vegas. So we have to go back now when we can see shows. But Will was totally surprised. He had no idea. Yeah. And the way you arranged it was perfect because he didn't tell that we were going along. And then you just, as driving to the airport, you just stopped at our house and Andrew and I were outside with our bags. Yep. And then Picked we hopped him up in the and car, like, what are they doing? The plane. <laughs> Why are they going? <laughs> yeah. But the best part, because you really confused him, because rather than, he knew we were getting on a plane and going somewhere warm, I told him to bring his passport. Bring your passport. So that may, I don't know. And what he, he said, was, why? And I said, well, because to get on a plane, he goes, well, are we well, going out of the country? License. Yeah, which apparently you don't need yet, yet. But I didn't know that. And he didn't know that. And then he said, are we going out of the country? I said, well, you know, you need it to fly. So whether we're going out of the country or not, you, you'll still need your passport. So he had no idea where we were going. Right. And you know, Will's not that quick. So maybe he thought Vegas <laughs> was a different country. <laughs> <laughs> he is Sorry, gonna, Will. He I'm is going to kill just you. Just kidding. But his family's listening. They'll get a good chuckle out of that one. <laughs> All right. So today's theme is from Seed to Spark. That's about growing an idea into something bigger than yourself that reaches large audiences. Today, Eugenio grew an idea into a major company that has produced an extremely successful international animated series. And now this live action Netflix hit. It's quite enjoyable. And, uh, you know, I thought it was a YA, as we say in publishing, a YA project, young adult. But when I watched it, it was very adult. for Very adult. Very adult for some rather young actors. You know, so that's, we're going to talk to him about that. But uh, guess what? We have an audience question. Yeah, this one, well, I guess it's for both of us. But you can probably answer this one a little bit better because you've, you usually do our planning of, of our summer trips. All right, so. Well, you ask. You open the so thing the and tell me what is, it is. So the question is, it says, for Alan and Joey, you guys always talk about going to Italy. Are you going to Italy this summer? Well, interesting you should ask that on this show. I know. We have Eugenio on, and it turns out he's from the his, town that his we go office. To. This is from the town that we go to every year. Well, it's in Ancona, but we go to well, Sorolo, which in, is on the in Porto, It's actually in Porto Recanati. Oh, right. He said Ancona because he didn't think we would know where Porto Recanati is. Yeah, little does he know. But little does he know that the villa, when you look out from the view of the villa, that's what you're looking that's at is Porto Recanati. Yep. 
But interestingly, if we're not going to Italy I this know. summer. And this would be a perfect time to go because he would show us around things. Well, that, we, and nobody else will be there. Things we haven't seen or restaurants. He wants to take us to restaurants we haven't explored yet. Right. Well, so that that's going to be, be tough, isn't it? Because yeah. <laughs> we've done them all. Nobody could plan in time. We didn't know what, whether Italy was going to take off. Completely the, open. Know, we didn't know whether they open. And we had the boat in Croatia. They were like, yeah, you know, you can take the boat, but nothing's going to be. It was a mess. So we thought, why are we doing that? We pushed it off now for a second summer. I know. But in its replacement, I have rented a home, a nice home, actually, up Mm -hmm. on a hill overlooking the Pacific coast in Costa Rica. Yep. And easy from L.A., actually, much better. It's a five-hour flight. It's like flying to New York. It's cheap round trip. And it's nonstop. You fly right there. And it's we fly into Liberia, I believe. Liberia yeah, International, so. mm-hmm. which is not in Africa. It's in Costa Rica. Right. And it's like 45 minutes to the coast, and we're at Playa Hermosa. It's like leaving L.A., Hermosa Beach, and now we're going to Playa Hermosa. Playa Hermosa. So uh, that'll be great, and it will replace Italy this summer. But it'll be a new experience, and I've always wanted to go, and what the hell. Yep, and we'll be there the whole month of June. So exciting. Yeah. What are you doing for our two peas and a podcast segment? What food are we doing this week? I thought we would do, because of the whole Italy vibe, I thought we would pasta. do- Pasta. Pasta, but a penne, uh, but I'm going to do a vegan bolognese. Ah. Yeah. So just a different take I think in Italian, it. isn't it? Vegetario. A vegetario. It's a penne- Vegetario. Penne bolognese, bolognese vegetario. Uh, bolognese vegetario. Oh, si. Bravo. Yeah, bravo. Okay. Prego, prego. So coming up, we have Eugenia Strafi, live from Italy. From Ancona or from Porto Cucurucuracalati. <laughs> okay, Janice Dickinson. <laughs> that was for her. <laughs> we'll be right back. Joining us this week, we have Eugenio Strafi. He is the head of Rainbow Studios, which is an Italian company, creator and executive producer of the hit Netflix series Fate, The Winx Saga. At Benvenuti, I do a ragazzi de Hollywood. So welcome, Eugenio. Thank you very much for inviting me. I'm very happy to be here tonight. We're glad you're here. How are things in Italy? Oh, getting better. Yeah. We had a little bit of problem with the pandemic as everywhere else. Of course. Yeah. yeah, we go every year, so we had to cancel this year, sadly, very sadly. But now, I, I guess in the summer, you might want to consider to come. It should be fine. Yeah, now Too that late. we canceled and made new plans. Great. Ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just come in the fall. We'll come in September, October. and Yeah, uh, it's still nice. We'll get the last yeah. part. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's so beautiful. Eugenio, why is it called Rainbow Studios? That's not a very Italian name. No, it's true, but... I always have in mind a company which has uh, international business. Uh, you know, Italy is so small and for entertainment is not really a capital, you know, it's a, it's a province of the world. So I was always thinking I would need uh, something international that can be recognized everywhere. And uh, in the beginning, I was imagining something colorful, something that gives the idea of movement, something that has a positive message. So after thinking very long, we reached the moment where we had to give a name uh, even to start the business, you know, because you can't operate without the registration of your business. And so that came the idea of Rainbow, which uh, is, is eventually a colorful sign that appear, you know, in the sky like a magic. And uh, it 
it shows that the rain is going away and the sun is shining again. Very good. And yeah. Dodovi and Italia, where are you in Italy? Uh, we are based on the Adriatic coast near Ancona. No, we're, oh, that's, that's where, where we, we go. go. We stay in Sarolo. No, you're kidding me. You, you, we... No. No. no I... Every year in Sarolo. I can't believe Then you must come this year. You must make uh, an exception yeah. and, and come over in August. If you come in September, it's still good. Anyway, I know everybody and we can take care of you beautifully. Oh, yeah. We love it there. Yeah. We're just uh, 10 kilometers from Sirolo, you know? Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. And we're in Ancona all the time. We have to go there for the train station. You know, we the go plane. there for anything yeah. big. Yes. The plane. Dinner, shopping. Yes. <laughs> yes. No, we, we, there's a lot of outlets uh, around Chiritanova, you know? Yeah. It's a nice place. Alan loves shoes. Yeah, so yeah. He, that's exactly where he goes. Yeah. <laughs> so well, like I say, this is really a coincidence. I'm, I'm sure we will, uh, we will have a lot of fun next time that you come over and you can visit our office. Uh, first, we want to introduce you to your drink. Every week, Joey creates a drink for our guest. Huh. So I'm going to let Joey introduce the drink. Well, since you like Aperol spritz, we did uh, an Aperol destino. So we renamed it for you. Ah, thank you. What did you put inside? It has everything the same. Everything's the same, but the name. <laughs> and, what is an, and what is an Aperol spritz for the listeners? It's uh, a San Pellegrino, which a touch of San Pellegrino. And then uh, because it's a little early in the morning, usually I would do champagne and then Aperol and then a fresh lemon uh, wheel. So cheers. Salud. Cheers. <laughs> chin chin. Chin chin. I just spilled all over my chin chin. Sorry. <laughs> So we have a theme today, which is from seed to spark. That basically means how did this idea get started and how did it get to where it is? Where did the idea for the original series of the Winks come from? Yeah, the idea came from many different angles. You know, I used to 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 take inspiration from things and uh, and I write down my my own notes until I combine together in a, in a real project. So many, many different angles. Uh, the first was observing the luck on the market completely of uh, female uh, superheroes, you know, women in power and uh, this kind of uh, stories where also girls could imagine and be inspired and want to be one of, one of them, one of the main characters. The other was, of course, uh, then coming to the concept. Um, there were so many uh, stories about witches at the time and some other magical stuff, but I thought that the fairies were always perceived something like uh, old-fashioned with this kind of grandmother with a wound that was making some magic. Where else I was thinking the fairy should be something cool, something young, something positive again. And uh, I, I thought to do some justice, uh, putting the witches back to their place, because the witches were coming to get something cool with their, you know, dark dressing and uh, in the late 90s uh, entertainment scene. And so uh, the idea came from, uh, yeah, this, that uh, we could use magic, we could use positive magic, we could use uh, friendship, all the positive value to put together a gang of fairies, which were contemporary, uh, real women, uh, which they are, you know, they know what to do with their own uh, characteristics that they don't need uh, anymore to depend on men to, to have their destiny, you know, and to be saved. 
the men, of course, has to be there because I couldn't not could forget completely about men, but the men become, you know, finally those that are not empowered. They are they are like uh, secondary roles uh, which assist all this big adventure of of the protagonists, which are all all female. And the idea. So the tables have been turned. Yeah, the table has been turned, and I was and I was very proud uh, to do it at the time. To do this uh, and to conceive this at the end of the nineties, uh, the beginning of the new, of the new century, it was uh, I would say something quite innovative. Even the storytelling, uh, I wanted to do something very innovative with uh, cliffhanger, with revelation with the viewers that has to be hooked to follow this big story arc, the transformation and the path of the main protagonist who go through a kind of coming-of-age story. And uh, I like the idea that you want to know more. What's happened next? Ah, what is going to be you know, the destiny of, of Bloom, of all the wings, you know, and the bad guys' plot? And this is something that for animation was also very rare because the buyers at the time, they always preferred to have self-contained episodes where the story starts and finishes with that episode and you could even switch the number of you know, broadcasting from episode 8 become episode 15 or whatever. You know, They are free of, of broadcasting. So it was also not easy to, to bring it to to the market, this kind of storytelling, because the buyers are not, uh, they were not happy. But I thought that this mechanism would work. I believe this is the real uh, secret of Wings, which has a lot of uh, elements, which has been uh, later on appreciated and very, very, become very, very popular. But at the time, it was really new. It was really new and interesting. Just for our listeners, uh, Eugenio created a series originally called The Winks Club. And that was an animated, animated. series. Mm-hmm. Uh, they ran about 24 minutes in length. Yes. And that was a Nickelodeon series here in the United States. Was it originally aired in Italy and then Nickelodeon discovered it? Or did it all come at the same time? No. Uh, the series was aired in the U.S. first on Fox on the Saturday morning from 2004 onward. And it was for Keys Entertainment who was doing the distribution and the licensing on which was our agent. And uh, at that time, uh, it was already a big success. We had Mattel as a master toy for the dolls and everything. The show performed very well also in the US uh, from the beginning. And I believe that a lot of fans of today of the Netflix show as really those of 2004, 2005, 2006, 2007, you know, of the first wave, call it the way. Then in 2011, uh, 2010 was 11. We start to co-produce a new episode with Nickelodeon, who wanted to import uh, on that their, was the animated, cha- the animated but we are yeah, we, still animated. It's still animated. It's still an animated series done in co-production with Nickelodeon US. So we 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 follow a lot also their their requirement, you know, for for the US and their experience for seasons five and six, which were co-produced uh, with Nickelodeon US. Uh, did Fox not want to continue the series? Uh, it was not really uh, that Fox didn't want to. I don't even know if Fox uh, had any more cartoons in the Saturday morning. I don't even know at the time. But it was more uh, a matter that we finished the contract with the 4Kids Entertainment 
in 2009 to be our agent. And finally, I was able to go and approach directly Broadcaster by myself. And I thought to go directly to Nickelodeon, which is and used to be the strongest channel in the US, to have at least the show Strip Daily, which is when it works better on this kind of uh, dedicated broadcaster. You know, everywhere we have a broadcaster who deal only with cartoon, whether it's Nickelodeon or, or another local uh, broadcaster, if the show is Strip Daily, it performs the best. Well, clearly whatever you did was right because the show became a massive hit. How many countries was Winx Club broadcast in? I would say 150, more or less. Uh, it can be 142, 143. Well, I don't how know many that. countries are in the world? 151? <laughs> <laughs> you left one out. Yeah, yeah, we left. We left. If you want to know, we left out Japan, uh, for example, where <laughs> Wings Club has never been, ex- except on Netflix now, which is also in Japan. But but uh, for Wings, has been always difficult to crack into Japan, where they have their anime kind of uh, and very very protective. Uh, market yeah. to, to get yeah. into yeah but well, but now you have the new show which is a live action and it's definitely not a cartoon yes yeah. it's not <laughs> no the, car- <laughs> and the, it's, um, the, the cartoon uh, is really even even in japan it's not in it's not in china that's the problem where else the cartoon is also in china and is doing very well on cctv oh great yeah but this is very edgy you know i mean as far as the language goes there's sex there's you know a lot of a lot of things. I mean, I loved it. I, I watched a couple of episodes and I was enthralled. So congratulations on that transition too. It's pretty pretty great. Yeah, I, I have a question about that actually, because as I watched it, what is the age group that that show is targeting? I was sort of surprised by the sex and the language when it seems like the show's targeting teenagers. 12 and up, isn't it? Yeah, 12, though. <laughs> it's, it's actually, the way we know is is strictly young adult, meaning uh, 16 to 30 years old as a primary target. And uh, I really believe that those, uh, like we have uh, millions of, of fans uh, which write to us, uh, are those that were following the show uh, 17, 16, 15 years ago, and now they are exactly 22, 25, right. 26. Yeah. Well, well, clearly this is why we liked it, because they're targeting 16 to 30-year-olds. Yes. 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 <laughs> I'm just 30 now. I just had a birthday. <laughs> I'm not good in math. I'm sorry. I'm, I, I could do it because I'm also in the target group, you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, and I just set myself up for that target. Let me tell you that. <laughs> Were you always a fan of animation? Uh, yeah, I will tell you. I, uh, this is very easy for me to answer. In, in my so-called, I call previous life, I always been writing and drawing uh, comics, graphic novels, like as you call in America. And uh, by the time I finished my high school, I start to publish my my graphic novels uh, on many uh, books here in Italy and then in France. Uh, and uh, up to up to United States, where there was a magazine called Heavy Metal, yes. who has published some of my some of my stories. I still have uh, here in the office the copies. So I I used to create characters. I create stories all my life from primary school onward. I have the exercise books full of my my comics. And so when I started university, I had the chance to to show it to some publishers and. And I start to work uh, 
for this uh, publishing my my graphic novels so after that i had uh, a chance uh, through some common artist friends to go to work at the feature film uh, in animation in paris uh, as a storyboard artist and that's when i found out that animation uh, of course is very expensive but is a way with movies with television to reach with your stories and characters, even a much wider audience than just uh, publishing, you know? And uh, that's when I thought, wow, nobody in Italy is doing industrial animation, you know, like the real studios does with very organized departments. And, you know, you reach the, the, the TV station and, and uh, cinemas eventually if you do movies. And uh, I started this crazy idea that uh, in Italy I could replicate the studios and, you know, produce my my own show starting from service job because we had no money of course to 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 start our own uh, ips and so the, the initial years when i found found the rainbow it was more service job for right television for other studios in france everywhere to 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 raise the team and raise the funds to to start our own productions how much um, was Harry Potter an influence for you? Ah, this is a good question because I think Harry Potter for Wings uh, has been an influence because it gave me the idea that uh, the magic is still a one of the main elements that can surprise and interest generation of kids, you know? It is one of those things like, uh, you know, adventure or, you know, certain kind of genre that you can revisit, you can try to, to, to change, but definitely they are those ingredients who works yeah. and make an impact. And, it's never pre and, and magic is never predictable. Exactly. So that's kind of the interesting yes. and, thing and about And so it, the phenomenon of the book, because there was not yet the the movie when we started the phenomenon of the first book make me think ah this this is uh, an element that will work well that's why in my story which i was already uh, like i say uh, preparing for for years because this is another point that i like always to to explain all my stories are never invented uh, within a few months when i need something you know and i come out with an idea Unfortunately, it doesn't work for me like this, and, and uh, I never believe in this inspiration that uh, in 24 hours you can write a book, you know, or at least it doesn't work for me. I have many, many things that which I keep writing, and I have some ideas, I add some other part, and then some other part, and some other part. Then finally, when I think that it's the right time to take out all this raw material and start to work on it, I have, that's the moment when I, when I take few months to come out with a concept, with a Bible, with a development of characters and all, and, uh, and I go into production. But for years, there is a story which I, never, developing, I yeah. never produced yet, which I have the seeds and the main ideas uh, planted and written uh, 25 years ago, you know, or more. But, wow. but uh, yeah, I still, I still have to to take it out of the hard disk. Before was the drawer. I don't know if in America you have this expression. <laughs> I have many stories in my drawer, you know? To yeah. Take out. Yes. Oh, yeah. We have that expression. Yeah. No, yeah. Now is the hard disk. You know, you have to take it out. You know. <laughs> okay, cocktail break. We'll be right back.
Am I correct that you now own the companies that distribute and do all the licensing for the Winx Club series? Yes. And Fate? Yes. So now you control everything, correct? Well, not only for Winx, which is our IP, but we have many other IPs that we created both in animation and, and, and licensing, which has been quite uh, also popular, I think, to... Uh, recently, 44 Cats series, uh, which is all over the world also. I think to Huntick, uh, which was a boy series, uh, very successful uh, back uh, more than 10 years ago. Uh, I think to Monster Allergy, I think to Maya Fox, uh, I think to Maggie Bianca. So we have uh, developed many and Wings is the most, uh, the most famous. Most of our production has been uh, focused on kids, uh, not preschoolers. Uh, now we start to produce more animation for even younger kids, but uh, we were really focused on 8 to 12 years old and using humans because a lot of other studios were using animals, speaking animals, you know, for their stories and adventure. So this gave, gave me a little bit of advantage today to translate into live action some nice concept eventually that we could have in animation and with millions of fans uh, waiting for an adaptation. So this is a little bit of advantage which we might want to leverage now that we are more and more producing also live action. And how did the relationship with Brian Young come to be? Was that a suggestion of Netflix? Yes, it was a suggestion of Netflix because I must say that for, for this original, of course, uh, Netflix has a lot of uh, a lot of you know, uh, say an influence. Uh, we are, of course, the IP owner. We are producing with them in association. Uh, we are uh, the the one that, uh, of course, know better the brands. But uh, Netflix has been uh, uh, the one suggesting uh, the showrunner. In this case, uh, has been Brian Young. Of course, I've been very happy to to agree and on his choice because uh, I think that Brian is a very talented writer and uh, very passionate about the project and uh, we have been working uh, well in this in this adaptation. And how does that work? Does he come up with a sketch idea of the story and you approve it? Does he write scripts that you approve? How does that relationship work? Yeah, the relationship is... is uh, Pretty much like that. We, we with this kind of uh, big studios, uh, we we don't have. Uh, I think that Netflix, in the end, has the real final final approval on Brian's work. The executive producer, which was at the time of the first season, was Jennifer Breslow, which, by the way, is another executive of Netflix, which I I really work very well. She's uh, smart. We have been in agreement on on a lot of the casting and other another thing we hear and Brian, and she's the one that uh, that uh, represent Netflix in the in the production. But Brian, yes, uh, and Netflix send us every synopsis, every uh, the Bible or the show, the the treatment on the Bible. We had the biggest discussion because if you find it. Uh, uh, AG, I would say that uh, the initial proposal of Brian was even more, you know, AG and uh, 
I had to to tone it down. Tone it down, down <laughs> because yes, because the show has already so much mythology, so much uh, to take that you don't need to go certain certain road. But after that, when we when we were clear on the on the DNA on the on the show, the production went smoothly, and uh, like I said, uh, he's uh, very talented. Uh, and uh, for the second season, it will be even better because now we know each other much better. We know where we we had to improve from the first season, and uh, I'm confident that uh, the second will be better and and will uh, will will grow in the entertainment value. Did you always envision it as a live action? Was that something you always wanted to do? Yes, this is something that I have the whole entertainment world. They can be witnessing because it's at least 10 years, about 10 years after uh, seven, eight years of uh, the huge success of the cartoon and the licensing and the live show, by the way. We had done a lot of musical and theatrical live show, even the Wings on Ice in the 25,000 people uh, skate uh, arena, you know, the Palace Sports and all this full, fully uh, sold out, you know, all over Europe. And so I was sure that the live action adaptation would be something that the fans want to see. They want, and they want stories which were talking to them, not to the kids, of course. What's interesting is that those fans started out young, and then the timing, as they grew, the series grew into something that is relatable to them as more of a teen and, and as a approaching adulthood. So it was, it, it was sort of like this whole process of growth on both between the fans and the and the show. Yes, correct. Quite clever, my friend. <laughs> that was the whole idea, and I think you had an idea there. <laughs> and and I think Netflix was uh, smart when we start talking about this. I had many proposals from Europe to do the live action, though, which which uh, Europeans want to do, European broadcasters and and other producers with us. But uh, I thought the Wings is such a huge global brand that deserve to have a chance with a major American studio to be produced as, as, as a live action. So I hold for many, many years to, to do a live action in Europe for European market with limited budget. I didn't have success in first place to propose it at the American studios until finally Netflix was buying my idea that uh, there's a lot of fan base uh, that are now grown up into young adults and this could be a big success for, for them. And, uh, and this happened. So I'm, I'm happy that uh, people believe in Wings and got the reward. Well, interestingly enough, the new mandate, timing was perfect because the new mandate from Netflix is to have shows that are as appealing to Europeans as they are to Americans. The Netflix series ended with a big cliffhanger. So what, without giving anything away, is there anything that your fans can expect to hear from you with just a little hint or a tease? About season two? About season two. I can say that, uh, and if I know who I, I mean, that my favorite uh, character will finally be there. It's a big already revelation that, again, that they're all assuming, but I think this I can say for the rest. I can only say that we are all focused to do better than season one, which was already a great show, I think. But uh, I everybody it. is very happy and motivated. And uh, so there will be a lot of new twists and revelations. It's actually with 
in line with the Winx uh, cartoon DNA. Good. I was just surprised they only did six episodes in season one. Mm -hmm. I was surprised they didn't order eight or ten episodes. Yeah, it was. So this was something that we changed uh, while uh, starting production because in the beginning it was supposed to be eight and uh, we decided to, I mean, Netflix proposed us to use more uh, investment, uh, the same investment for 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 six episodes instead of eight, so that uh, visual effect and other thing could be could be more uh, uh, developed, better done. Right. Well, that makes sense. I agree with their proposal, and we went uh, we went for for six. Tell us a little bit about your work with children and your fundraising and your project Rainbow for Benin. Yes, um, we have been always. Uh, I have been uh, at least a person who always invests uh, in growing in other initiatives, you know, buying companies or developing new departments. And at the same time, investing, like when you come, by the way, to Cirolo, you, you will have to take the effort 10 kilometers to come and visit our headquarters because we have an headquarters which is a bit like, a, I don't know, they say in America, in Google campus or this kind of uh, New new media because we 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 take care a lot of our our real asset which are the talents you know we believe that uh, people must work happy in a nice environment to have all the chance to 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 create an atmosphere a positive group to exploit fully their creativity with the same mentality so to give not just to take, especially when you are successful, it's very important that you give and, and share with everybody that work with you. We thought that uh, we should have a lot of initiative, and we do have beside the Benin, to take care of the kids, because we have been uh, blessed and successful in what we are doing, thanks to the kids the Western kids, the rich kids uh, who has bought uh, our our dolls, uh, our uh, backpack, uh, our things, you know, with our characters. And uh, I believe that all the kids uh, would be happy to know, even if they don't know, because we are not publicizing our, our charity around so much, that uh, it would be nice anyway. The concept that without knowing... The kids who are supporting our show, supporting Rainbow, are also helping the kids of the third world countries that needs the basic things like uh, education, healthcare, transportation. And so Benin is our main project because we really invest, I would say, more than half a million already there, euro in uh, building schools, uh, hospitals for children, places where the kids could uh, be taken care after school without being in the street, an orphanage house in the capital for the kids, of course, abandoned. But we have been doing schools uh, and other projects for kids uh, in other places of the world, in Latin America, and not only in Africa, and uh, we are looking at uh, other initiatives uh, also in India now. Like I say, it's a nice concept that every year we give part of our revenues to a project in the third world countries, you know. But you're paying it forward, and that, that's, that's a beautiful thing. So thank you for that. 
So final question before we let you go, where can we find your company on social media? Yeah. In America, I know it's very, very useful for me. I'm not uh, on any <laughs> social media, because I, uh, but uh, I have a website with my name. But of course, there is Rainbow website also, which is uh, uh, rainbowrbw.it. Personally, me, no, you, you can find me only <laughs> only a work. Uh, with, we have your number. Yes. <laughs> and you can find me when you we'll call you when we get when to you Italy. come to Cirolo, yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've definitely put Ancona on the map. You, you and your sure. show and your company. <laughs> uh, is there anything you're doing next? What's next for you? Obviously, season two. Yes. You have something else that you're excited about after that? I am excited about a couple of, yes, other IPs which we are developing. Uh, yeah, one in animation and one in, uh, uh, in live action. And I have uh, a very special uh, script for, for a feature film, a very, very original feature, original live action uh, film that uh, I would like to produce uh, as soon as uh, the, the theatrical uh, start to to get back in business, you know, now there's there's uh, a lot of queue of previously produced movies which are waiting to get released. So it's not the best moment to to speak about new project. But right. But uh, yeah, there are there are a few things which I'm um, I'm really looking forward to produce and see if again there is something new, something original, like uh, it used to be in Wings. Uh, 20 years ago when we when we start to to work on it well we can't thank you enough grazie mille yeah, grazie. it's my pleasure I don't know about you but I cannot wait to get back to Italy and go and meet him and his staff and try a few new restaurants what a great guy yeah what a great guy interesting and what a great show I love that this huge hit has come out of Italy isn't that interesting it's so cool and our little town I know. I mean, that was that so, was shocking to say Ancona. I mean, yeah, this is not a place that people know. Mm-hmm. I know. Thank you for joining us today. Feel free to rate us, review our podcast. We really appreciate your support. And if you love the podcast, please share it. It's most important to spread the word. That's right. Spread the word, not the virus. Um, don't forget to follow us on social media. We're going to be posting recipes, and now we're going to be doing the Instagram Live and all of those fun things, photos, links from each episode. And again, let us know what you think about things. Send us questions. We love answering them. We love connecting with you. And uh, it just inspires us to do better. So just, just keep it up, please. And we'll talk at you soon. Two Guys from Hollywood is hosted, created, and produced by Alan Nevins and Joey Santos. Produced by Lauren Boone. Editing and post-production by Nathan Moody. Music by Luca. Executive produced by Dan Patrick. It is also executive produced by Paul Anderson and Nick Panella for Workhouse Media. This podcast is a production of Renaissance Literary and Talent and Dan Patrick Productions in association with Workhouse Media. Two Guys from Hollywood is a production of iHeartRadio and the Dan Patrick Podcast Network. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 